The scripture reading for today's message comes from the book of John, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were for this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So are you a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. You may be seated. May I ask the other two, two worship services this morning to think about as we celebrated Thanksgiving this, this past week, all the things that, that we have to be thankful for, all the way from the nation that we live in to the, the bountifulness that, that the Lord has entrusted uh, to each and every one of us. Um, we've talked about living here in, in Heber Springs and how that it's never a job to have to come home when we're away. We look forward to coming back. But as we think about our families and, and we think about um, our friends and we think about the church and all the, we talked last week about this shoe project thing and how that, and how that this church reaches out beyond the walls because you folks care about not only this church but about our community. It's not, now it's magnified, let me say that. It's magnified people's needs and the hurts and our heartaches and, and everything. Of course, this time of year is, is tougher. It's hard. It's just, and there's no, there's no way around it. But, but from before Thanksgiving uh, all the way to Christmas to the, to the first of the year, this, this church helps folks year-round. This is not just a Thanksgiving to Christmas thing. Y'all know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, there, there are, you guys are helping folks every single day. I know because I'm here. And, and when folks come in, you know, um, we can't. Uh, that, that's like the fire out the other side or something. Who, who saw that coming? You know, but to be able to be a part of what God's blessing, as we said, and we, we are, are so thankful for all that, that God has, has uh, done for us. And with us. And, and hey, just thanking God that he's our God in the good times and in the bad times. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's not just the good times that God's God. It's when we're at our very, very bottom. When, when we can't have nowhere else to go. Isn't it great to know that we can talk to the Lord anytime, any day? And say, hey, here I am. You know me with all my flaws and, and everything. And yet you still love me. Thanksgiving is, is more than a day. Thanksgiving is a way of life. And we can't skip 
Christ the King Sunday because the church wants to, to jump right into Advent. That's coming. That's coming. That'll be next week. But we can't miss this Sunday, this Christ the King Sunday. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this church, your church. And we thank you, dear God, that no matter where we are or what we're doing, we can always call on your name. We pray as your word is proclaimed that I get out of your way so that your people might hear a word from you. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. So Pilate, he entered his headquarters, and he called Jesus, and he asked him, So, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, Do you say that on your own accord, or did someone tell you about me? Pilate asked Jesus, Am I a Jew? Am I a Jew? For he said, It's your own nation. It's your own people who have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Well, let me tell you what Jesus did. He turned the entire world upside down. He hung out with sinners like us. Aren't you glad? He laid hands on the leper. No self-respecting Jew would ever do that. It's against their law. Anything unclean. Jesus declared all foods clean. Try that one if you're an Orthodox Jew and see how far you get. Jesus healed the lame. Cured the sick. He even raised the dead. So when Pilate asked him, what have you done? That's what Jesus had done. And, and, and his people, they couldn't stand it. The religious folks of the day, the status quo, they could not take it because it was so different. So different that God's grace could be for everyone instead of a select few. What have you done? Listen in any history book among the great leaders of, that the world has ever known, you'll find the name Augustus Caesar. It was Augustus Caesar who fixed the limits of the Roman Empire. It was during his reign that the, the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome, and it lasted for almost 200, 200 years, that it was initiated. It was he who ordered the building of roads linking the great empire so that they could have rapid access to subordinate governments. It was he who gave Rome a constitution creating an office of emperor and investing in that office unlimited power. He never used the title emperor himself. The age of Augustus was a bright spot in literature and arts. It was an era that gave us Virgil and Homer and the great historians. Isn't it ironic that some 2,000 years after the reign of Augustus Caesar, that he's mainly remembered for every year at Christmas time, when we read these timeless words, 
In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. That's what we remember him for. And among those to be taxed, of course, was Mary and Joseph of Nazareth. Augustus Caesar would truly be shocked to realize that during his reign that there was one that was born that was far greater than he was. John, in the revelation of Jesus Christ, records, he, he called this one Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. In short, this was the one who had been anointed king of kings and lord of lords. Now, had you been appointed to Palestine during the Roman Empire, you would have to wonder what you did and who you made mad. Well, it was a minor official in the Roman Empire, Pontius Pilate, who first asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus obviously convinced Pilate that he was. He had Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews, inscribed over the top of Jesus' head at the crucifixion. Y'all remember that? Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Pilate could have ordered these words out of sarcasm. I realize that. We don't know what was in his heart. But we do, do know what was in the heart of his disciples, though. There was no sarcasm. Simon Peter would write later in his epistle, we actually saw his majesty with our own eyes. King of kings, Lord of lords. That blessed saying of the 16th century, Teresa of Avia, always referred to Jesus as his, as his majesty. And so he is. So after 2,000 years, Jesus' stature has not diminished. When the Turks took Constantinople, they plastered over the mosaic of Christ and the, and the great cathedrals. With the centuries, the plaster has cracked and the image of Christ shows through. Regardless of how much secular man plasters over the image of the divine Christ, Jesus will shine through. Try to cover him up sometime. See what happens. Christ the King his king is unshakable. E. Stanley Jones once wrote, I have saw in a flash that all man-made kingdoms are shakable. All man-made kingdoms are shakable. The kingdom of communism is shakable. They have to hold it together by force. They cannot relax that force or it will fall apart. The kingdom of capitalism is shakable. The daily fluctuation of the stock market on account of the course of events shows that the kingdom of capitalism is shakable. The kingdom of the self, S-E-L-F, self, is shakable. Center upon ourselves as the center of your kingdom and the self will sour and go to pieces. The kingdom of health is shakable. Radio and TV are constantly with supposed health remedies to hold this physical life together. But in the end, the grim reaper gets us all. Everything is shakable except one. E. Stanley Jones says, except one. The kingdom of God.
the one and only unshakable kingdom. So what does it mean to say that Christ is king? That Christ is king of this world. Doesn't it say, first of all, that this is an unfinished world? And let me, let me, say, let me sort of explain to you what, what I'm talking about when I say that. Anybody here think that it's God's will, that it's Christ's will, that, that children are starving to death every day? Y'all think it's God's will? Okay. Do you think that it's, that, that it's God's will that, that kids don't have parents or, or, or drug abuse is just running rapid in the United States? you think that's his will? Okay. I don't either. So there's some unfinished business, right? That's what I'm talking about here. This world is certainly not the kind of world that Christ desires. If he truly is the king, then there's some unfinished business. As we look at our own lives and we think about living in this unfinished world, if Christ is king in this unfinished business, but the reason why there's unfinished business is because the world is made up of people and people are unfinished. My brother and I, years and years and years ago, went to a funeral home there in Paragol. It was at East. And, and we were taking with us, I don't know where Jerry, Linda was, Jerry's wife was doing something, I don't know. Mom and Daddy were at the funeral home. Bubby was four years old, that's my, that's my nephew, Jerry's son, was four years old at the time. He is the one that when we were putting up our grain bins, OSHA made a, uh, your ladder started about this high so kids couldn't, couldn't climb up the, the grain bins. And Jerry and I get back to the farm one day and Bubby's just about the top of the grain bin. That's that kid. He's the one that I came in one night and, and uh, at two years old, when he was two years old, and I said, told mom and dad I was home and I said, oh, Denny, that's the, the, the girl, Jerry and Linda's oldest daughter, said, Denny is home or spending the night with us. And, and mom and daddy, they, they said, yeah, and Bubby. And Bubby. And I thought, boy, I don't want to scare those old people to death. They were in their 50s at the time. And, and so I walked and went back through the house. Bubby wasn't there. They were tearing that house apart. I went out and got in my car. Jerry and Linda lived about a quarter of a mile from mom and dad. I drove to their house, and I saw his little stool out there. Back in Paragol, we didn't lock our doors. No, nobody locked doors. But anyway, Bubby had gone out to the tool shed, two years old, in a diaper, walking home barefooted. Quarter of a mile. It was exactly a quarter of a mile down a gravel road. And he had got his little stool, got on it, went in the house, and went to bed. He was waiting on his daddy. He and his daddy were, I'm telling you, they were tight, still are to this day. But, but any, anyway, anyway, found him there. This is that same kid that we are taking to the funeral home, just so that y'all know. So Jerry gets him and he tells him, Bubby, you have to act like a human, you know. Y'all know what I'm saying at the funeral home. And Bubby, well, you know, was Bubby. And, and, so, and so we get to the funeral home, and at first Bubby was, you know, everybody's sad and, and hearts are broken and all that, he said. And it wasn't long that I sort of, we were just looking around. And then one of the, the, the big parlors there at East, Bubby is in the middle of that parlor with his coat off swinging it. 
around, like, like he's going to lasso somebody. And so Jerry went and got him. He said, son, I thought I told you that you're going to have to be as good as you can be tonight. And Bubby was, was soft-hearted, and he didn't like his daddy getting on him. He idolized his daddy. Bubby tearfully replied, replied, but daddy, I am. And Bubby was right. He was being the best that he could. The truth is that we are living in an unfinished world with unfinished people. Even at our best, even at our best, we are not all that Christ intends for us to be. But listen, but listen, into this unfinished world has come a king. The application of those of us who love Jesus is very, very clear. Couldn't be more clear. What he loved and desired is what we should love and desire to complete his work. We're his church. We're his church. His work is to see that people who are lost, that they are saved. And once they're saved, that they grow in their Christian faith. His work is to see the world redeemed back to God. His work is to see this unfinished world brought to completion. We who love him are called to complete the task. Helen Keller once wrote, the world is moved along not only by, by the, the mighty shove of our heroes, but also by the tiny pushes of each honest worker. That's who we are. And that's what we're called to do. There once was a farmer. He had two mules. One was named Willing and the other was named Abel. Oh, Willing and Abel. However, Willing was willing, but not able. And Abel, and Abel was able, but not willing. The farmer didn't get a lot of work done. Christ desires people, wants people who are willing and able. I ask you something. Is there anyone that can't pray? I realize that there are people that are in comas and folks that are sick and, and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about aren't we all able to pray? How's your prayer life? You pray for the lost? You pray for this church? Pray for unity in the body? How are we doing? Christ needs people who are willing and able. And the ironic thing is that when we subordinate our desires to the Lord's desires, when we enlist as privates, not as generals, in his army, when we serve as priests in his kingdom, that is the world, when we give our, ourselves to his service, it's then that we're lifted up. In losing ourselves, we find ourselves. That's the nature of his kingdom. Talk about leaders. There are leaders that make 
other people around them seem smaller, but it looks to me like that the greatest leaders make other people around them feel great. In subordinating our desires to the desires of Christ and becoming less than what we might desire to be, the ironic thing is, is that he lifts us up and makes us greater than anything that we ever dreamed possible. Again, in the book of Revelation, John tells us, he who is the ruler of the kings of the earth loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us his kingdom, priest to his God and Father. This is an, an unfinished world. And it is when we who have been called by Jesus Christ, the King, we've been called to bring it to completion. This is not to say that the kingdom of God will be brought in through our efforts. It is Christ who builds up the kingdom. But he builds it up through those who are receptive to his word. To his word. Not part of it. Not the parts that we like. Even those parts we disagree with. And those parts that we don't understand. And those parts that are difficult for us. But those who are receptive to his word. That's you and me. There was a, a national news story that many of you, or probably all of you, are familiar with after the bombing of the American embassy in Beirut. 250 Americans were killed in that bombing. Many were wounded. On national TV, there was a picture of General Paul Kelly leaning over a young Marine. This young Marine had been blinded by the explosion. He had a trach in his throat. He could not see, he could not speak. But as General Kelly bent over him, he reached up and touched the four stars on the general's shoulder. Two days later, the Marine had a birthday, and General Paul Kelly brought those four stars and presented them to this young soldier. The general said, Some were so proud for what you have given for your nation. The young man couldn't speak, but he motioned for a pencil and paper. On the paper, he wrote two words. Two words that appear on the insignia of the Marines. Semper Fidelis. Always faithful. Always faithful. Will you be able to wear that insignia on your uniform when you stand before the throne of Christ? Christ is king, but we live in an unfinished world. He has come into this unfinished world to provide a way by which the world might be redeemed. We're called to be his priest. We're called to be his ambassadors. We're called to be his ministers. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, writes St. Paul, and giving us the ministry of reconciliation. That's bringing things back together. Yet there's much to do. Can he count on you? Can he count on you? Do we have written in our hearts, Sinferi Fidelis, Christ the King? You want to know what the truth is? 
The truth is Jesus. Pilate asked him that a couple of times. And that truth elevates our lives and our work. Our lives and our work and everything that we are as we seek, as we strive to serve him. The truth is Jesus. Is he your king? Is he your king? Thanks be to God.